Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Steve Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan, along with our guys, Dwight Albrecht. Don't follow him on Twitter at Dewey300 for the spare time pro shop that he runs over there in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Our guy, $2 Phil, Phil Brylo. Follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling. Gentlemen, uh, no major tournament to talk about uh, coming off of the weekend, but have no fear. We still have some things to talk about, including one of the dumbest things I think I've ever come across in a, in a bowling article in my life that Dwight sent me. Uh, we'll get to that uh, <laughs> towards the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. All right. Uh, the dumb, I swear to God. Uh, all right. So before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about the PWBA uh, and whether or not they deserve a little bit more exposure. The dumbest uh, bowling article I've ever seen uh, as well coming up. Uh, but we're going to start off talking. Uh, a little bit uh, about will bowlers today be regarded in the same light as bowlers before them? Uh, why does this come up? Because watching the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. uh, and watching Giannis and the Bucks get upset and booted out of the first round uh, and watching, you know, the Kings who are a three seed, they get booted out as well. John Moran and Memphis was a two seed. They get booted out uh, as well. And you start talking about Steph Curry dropping 50 points uh, in a game seven, most ever in a game seven. And the one thing that, well, multiple things that come up is, right, uh, the rules have changed defensively, uh, which allows these guys uh, to have more offense. The game itself has changed to where more of these three-point shots are being shot now than ever before. And back in the day, you know, there wasn't even a three-point line back in the day. So we start having these comparisons about the greatest basketball players uh, of, of all time and stuff like that. It kind of works against the current NBA players. Then throughout the last couple of seasons, you've got the guys from the 90s who have just been wanting to bash on today's NBA over and over and over again. And now you got today's players calling those guys the old heads don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they're arguing and beefing back and forth with each other. So you see a lot of that in the NBA. With the PBA Tour, I'm kind of curious to get both of your guys' opinion on this as far as how will these guys be? No, we talked about Belmonte, you know, maybe being, you know, the best ever. Mm-hmm. Now we talked about Simonson having all, all the majors he has, and he's only, what, 26, 27 years old. Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. about EJ Tackett off to a great start <laughs> right. and being a young guy. So these guys are going to put themselves in the record books before this is all said and done uh, based on how well they're bowling. The first thing I want to start off with, we'll start off with the old guy, Dwight. Dwight, yeah, I've seen all the eras. You're correct. Well, yeah. most of them, yeah. So, Dwight, let me ask you this. Do you think that the qualifying, the quality of the bowlers uh, is better now than it was back then when you had Roth and Holman and Anthony and those guys? Completely different era. Um, Completely different for equipment. Completely different for how they played the lanes, how much more direct they went then compared to now. Uh, they played much more parallel, let's say from 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Right. Compared to 90s when resin came, we started to see them hook the ball, shape the ball. Um, so back, if we're talking old era, 
I think those players had to be better shot makers, uh, didn't rely on as much power. Um, we didn't see power start to come until the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, if you, and it was a handful of guys, Roth, um, uh, Maximum Bob uh, comes to my mind. Yeah, Even Steve yeah. Cook had a ton of turn on the ball, Big Cookie from California. Uh, but if you go back and you watch videos from the 60s when they were using hard rubber bowling balls, 190 to 200, what was winning the matches, you didn't see 250, 260. They relied on spare shooting, played very direct on the lane. Today, again, we mentioned it years ago when we were on the air. When the Masters came to town, I made a comment that um, a lot of the local guys trying for the Masters to four years, it was in Milwaukee. If you did not have 17 to 18 miles an hour for ball speed, 450 for a rev rate or higher, you weren't going to get a paycheck. Um, today, now what they do is they still have those numbers, but now they have that incredible pinpoint accuracy. So they kind of have perfected both worlds. With the athleticism now of today's PBA player compared to the guys in the in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, yes, there were some guys out there that were athletes. I mean, Jim Stefanich is pretty notable because he was a guy back in the 60s and 70s that could have went golf tour, PGA tour, or PBA tour. He was that good? And he took PBA tour. And that was, you know, that was pretty much an equivalent route nowadays. Nowadays, I don't see anybody that would have that kind of talent PGA. going to the PBA tour. They would all go PGA or, or even Corn Ferry. I mean, geez, the amount of money those guys can make on there as EJ well. Tackett, great golfer. Yeah, but still not enough to right. get on those tours. Ronnie Russell, same way. I mean, right. Ronnie can't Ronnie. even get, you know, Ronnie tried getting through a Canadian tour qualifier and couldn't even get through that. The athleticism that the bowlers need nowadays and the mental outlook they need nowadays is entirely different than it was at the start of the PBA 60 years ago. Does that mean that a Dick Weber or Don Carter or whoever couldn't compete nowadays? I think they would just adjust it differently and, and mm -hmm. adjusted the game. You know, Earl Anthony may not have been the power stroker that he was yeah. when he saw, if he saw guys nowadays that were throwing two handed off the, off the right, off the left side of the lane, like yes, yeah, dominated. I mean, Earl was, could have been a professional baseball pitcher as well till you got injured. So I, I think that the athleticism is different, but I don't think you can count out the guys from the past having a chance to still be successful today. As you said, Dwight, it's just the different era, the different lane surfaces, the different oiling, the different equipment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you can't compare apples to oranges, but I think those apples could have been oranges if they were moved 60 years forward. Let's talk about the, my original question, which Dwight did not answer, <laughs> nor did you. So I'm going to go back to my original question, and we'll start this again. Both very good. Which Both of what you said is very good right. as far as answering the main question that I had asked. Uh, but my, my, my first question was this, Dwight. Do you think that when we start talking about bowlers that are qualifying to be on TV and so forth, right? Yes. The quality of the bowlers. Are the quality of the bowlers as good, better, or worse than what it was, say, back in the 80s okay, or 70s? Better. Better so training there's through more college. good bowlers now competing than there was maybe back then they was it more it, top heavy back then they yes i would agree with that and they said it on the radio show brandy peterson talked about it from from bolero uh how they're coming out of colleges better trained ready for this uh, mentally physically um again uh, phil brought up earl anthony go back to a tour book from the 70s and 80s when earl was on tour and watch his first few look at his first few years of income a thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. Fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. It took him time to develop his skills and what he needed to learn to do to, to win and score out there and make money. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think they are so much better ready uh, today uh, than it was 70s, 80s. And that's your coaching. Kegel. We didn't have Kegel in Florida. 
all the uh, pro bowlers, both women and men, go down there for training. The colleges of Wichita State, look at how many powerhouses Wichita yep. State turns out. So, no, I think they're better equipped and ready today. Next question. Are the oil patterns dip more difficult today than they were back then? Obviously, you're dealing with resin. They didn't have to deal with resin, Phil. Uh, would you say the, the lane conditions are tougher of what these guys are having to deal with? Yes and no. I mean, there was a time there where the where the PBA wasn't certified by the AB by the American Bowling Congress because they put soft lane conditions out on tour because they wanted the guys to get out there and score. Really? Yeah, back in the seventies, some I didn't of the marker out there. Yeah, so some of the marker. Yeah, there were several years where there was where all the PBA tournaments had nothing to do with any type of you know ABC certification or anything back in the day. Mm -hmm. But definitely the patterns nowadays. I mean, because they they move you around to so many different parts of the mm -hmm. lane. Watch video on YouTube from the 60s, 70s, and even early 80s. You didn't see guys outside of seventh board, and you didn't see guys inside of 16th, 17th. For board. sure, right? Yeah. Yes. So it, these oil parents force these guys to to play more parts of the lane, and uh, and it, it just it makes them think a lot more, right? So and especially with the the equipment just moving the the what oil is in the pattern so much. Back in the day, in the seventies and eighties, you had seven, seven or eight milliliters of oil in there. Now you have four times as much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. because that's all they could get down with a spray gun. I mean, yeah. you, you if you watch the Holler House thing, right? Yeah. How much? I mean, <laughs> you can see what these balls. If you haven't watched it, it's amazing. Yep. Because Tommy Jones had to throw the ball over the fronts because otherwise, with his ball and his ball roll, it would have hit the lane and instantly Check. hooked through what little oil was on that lane. Yep. So that's why, you know, it, it, it's been a common thing for so many years now where, okay, the oil gets a different viscosity and a higher viscosity and they pour more of it out there. Okay, here's the bowling ball to counteract that. Well, let's do more with the oil to protect the lane. Well, here's the bowling ball again. It's, it's a, a never-ending battle. Yeah, it's a piece to a puzzle. Which is great for the oil, for the for companies like Kegel and all the bowling ball companies because they keep raising the stakes and the only <clears> people that pay yeah. for it are the, are the, are the proprietors. You know? We're going to be talking <laughs> about this word later, but here it comes. I'll say it early. Variables. A tremendous amount of variables in our sport 70s and 80s we had tremendously less variables in our sport a lot of the lanes well, were the same well back <clears> also back in the, the day well the, with the wood lanes the pba required the center to be resurfaced right before right the tournament was there so those lanes were you flat. had to resurface the lanes to oh, get yeah. a tour stop yeah holy crap oh yeah because with the wood lanes because that way they had a fresh lane surface right. so that way really expensive so that yeah. way topography didn't come into play as much because yeah. you could level obviously with the finish and everything and how you pulled it you, you could kidding? level the lanes out absolutely oh, my but when God. synthetic lanes came into play and how they're screwed into the foundations right. and stuff or screwed into the old lanes that hadn't been resurfaced in probably three, four years, there's where those topography issues come up, and there's where you see sometimes... I just asked you guys, how often do those things have to be replaced with these mm -hmm. new lane conditions yeah. that they yeah. have? And everybody's like, I don't know how long it's well, supposed to be. I, yeah, I'll never forget our interview with Del Ballard yeah. uh, on our show here years ago, Yep, and how he said they put Belmo through every test and he passed with flying colors from being able to play the gutter to lofting the gutter capping. Yeah. That's today's game. There's yeah. your versatility. Yeah. We didn't never saw that in the 70s and 80s. I mean, they played what we called the track yeah. um, back then. And that's another reason why the lanes had to be refinished is because the track Got was so worn. worn. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Now, here's my counter to both of y'all. Okay. Yeah. I watched oldie but goodie and emotional Pete Weber hang with a bunch of these two-handed bowlers and compete and make TV shows and all of that. Yeah. And he didn't have the rev rate of, nope. of Roth or anything <laughs> like that. Nope. And he was older. He wasn't even in his prime dealing with these guys. Yeah. So to me, it leads me to believe, I think if 
if you were a really good bowler back then and you were on TV consistently like Roth and Holman and those guys, I think you still really would have been a really good bowler now mm-hmm. competing mm-hmm. with these guys. Yeah. Pete, that was one guy, though. I mean, you're talking. I know it's one guy, yeah, but he right. didn't have the high rev rate was my point. Yeah. And we talk about rev rate being such a big thing, but Weber showed when, you could still get it done yeah. without it. When he was young and I saw him at a celebrity on South 27th when they came to town yeah. Yeah. in the 80s. Um, such a kind guy. fellow back then. <laughs> yeah, but he was just such, he was a young kid, but he was such an incredible standout compared to the other pros. His accuracy, his ball speed, his incredibly high backswing height when he was younger. I mean, his ball was two feet above his head. Well, the rev rate for Pete back then, he was on the in the top 5% of rev rate on the right. tour back in 1979, 1980. In his prime. Yeah. Yes. Now the last H couple of years, he's in, the, yeah. he's in the bot. Well, no, even his rev rate hasn't really changed that much, but he's in the easily down. in the bottom 5% of what it would take to be on tour. Sure. Yes. If he was still out there, but yeah. also incredible shot maker too. So, yeah. right. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was competing against Belmonte and, and doing his no, thing right. against these guys. Eventually Belmonte is going to, right. Yeah. Eventually Belmonte is going to hit the age wall too. And the same yes. thing's going to happen to Belmonte. I mean, this is, that's my point though. If you take Roth in his prime and Weber in their prime and you go and you put him here, I don't know. I, I think they could still compete at a high level myself. Yeah. I was able to lucky enough to at one of our trade shows in Chicago, see Roth there and we hit it off big time. All I had to do is bring up Bolero from the seventies. And uh, he was talking about, he was never inducted into the New York hall of fame. They had something against him, But anyways, I got a chance to watch him throw resin. Cause that's, it was late nineties. I believe it was storm seminar. I was there for, um, and it was just incredible to watch him throw a resin bowling ball compared mm-hmm. to what we remember him seeing plastic and black rhinos on TV. Cause he was staffed with Brunswick. Uh, yeah. The amount of revolutions Mark Roth had with a, a resin bowling ball with a core was just unbelievable. I can't put into words. Yeah, it, Jaw it, dropping. Well, and it's kind on. of funny with his partner from doubles all those years, Marshall Holman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you ask Marshall what resin did for him, he, he'll tell you it pushed it pushed him off the tour, right? Because it kind of leveled the plane. He won yeah. a title in in Detroit at Thunderbolt like in the middle '90s with it with a resin ball, but that was about. And he kind of knew he was on his way out the door then. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's. You know the equipment it helped it helped some guys and it hurt a lot of others that grew yeah. up with with where they had to make the ball work and then you don't have to make the ball work anymore and that also lengthened a lot of guys careers because all of a sudden the release the grip and rip it isn't a necessity right anymore. another guy that came to my mind when we were getting ready for the show was norm duke prime right. example of norm duke i think the reason i don't know phil might know better than me i don't know norm duke personally but um i, I think he retired just due to the fact he knew he could not compete with these guys anymore. No. Uh, smart enough to get out. But again, old age. I mean, yep. In any sport, eventually mm. you're going to age right. yourself out. There, yep. Are there exceptions? Sure. LeBron's an exception. Tom Brady, an exception, right? I mean, yeah. there are exceptions Aaron to Rogers. the rule. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah. no, I mean, there are, I don't want to talk about that fool. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, there are exceptions to every rule of guys that can play at a high level. But because you're physically, Having to do so much when it comes to turning a bowling ball and bowling so many games like we just talked about the course of a week to try and lead up to qualifying. I mean, this is going to sound nuts, but I mean, the aging process takes more of a toll there than it probably does on a Tom Brady who does get hit. Absolutely. Uh, But I don't know the same type of torque and everything else that goes into what these guys are doing, trying to compete up with these younger guys doing the same thing. It's a different part of the body that's taken its toll. Right. Well, and the back, hips wrist shoulder well the thing with norm though too is that he just he could have stayed out like a lot of these guys like parker and pete and all that on the on the on the pba 50 tour and he just said f it 
no, I'm right. done with everything. I'm retiring. I'm done because he had just Smart had an, he know. had just had enough. Well, he could still he could be a contender for a title every week on the PBA 50, 50 tour. Right. It's just like you said, it's the travel and everything else and the mental grind. And it, yep. he just didn't got want it anymore. It. Just got tired of it. And it was yep. just on. I was lucky enough to sit down with him in Portland last year before the before those PBA league shows when he sat down and, and he told me he goes, "This is it." I'm done. You can see by the look in his eyes, I, he, he was knew. being honest. Yeah. He goes, I don't ever want to throw a bowling ball again. I think he maybe has in an exhibition and stuff like that, but you're never going to see him throw a bowling ball in a tournament again, ever again. I guarantee you that because that's the way he felt. We, I'm, this is it. I'm done. And and I think they should have gave you him talk a, about the storybook ending that he got out of it. Yeah, luckily. it was a great storybook ending. I just wish it was like like you said, the whole year. It would be right, cool. Retirement yeah. tour. You can't force a guy to make up his mind before a year starts out. It's his last year because the guy yeah. could change his mind, and then right, everybody right. gets on him for changing his mind. How right. many times are we going to do this for this right. dude? He keeps changing his mind, so yeah. you Pete can't said, force him into that. Right. Pete said the same thing last year in Portland. I'm done. I can't bowl against these kids anymore. Da 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 da. And as soon as he said that, Tom was Tom Clark was 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 talking to Pete on the sidelines, going, "Man, you need to come back for at least the TOC or something like that." Pete's like, "Yeah, I'm done." What do you see this year at the TOC? Pete's in the field. Pete was in the field at the TOC. Right. So that's all you're going to see Pete at. You'll see him in the you'll see him on the PBA 52 this summer. He just finished second in a regional in Clinton, Iowa yesterday. Nice. Just he, Pete's bowling league and getting to regionals and getting sharp for the tour. Yeah. It, it, from the couple of video clips I saw, it was effortless Pete once again. Yep. <laughs> He's good, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to topic number two. This is a Phil Brillo special. <laughs> PWBA <laughs> starts up this weekend. Should it have more exposure than it actually does? Uh, at this point, Phil. Oh, that's why I was looking at my T-shirt. This is the only PWBA event I ever called back in the day on uh, on Bowl TV up in the Twin Cities. Oh, nice. Back in 2018. Uh, yeah, the PBA needs more exposure. PWBA Definitely. needs more exposure than it has. Definitely. It's, you can, you know, they try to push it on social media. They try to push it with Bowl TV. But it just, you, you could walk by the average bowling fan in the street and they can maybe tell you Liz Johnson and Shannon O'Keefe and Doubt it. Deandra. Yeah, but that's. Yeah, odds are. And there's and I think there's superstars out there. And there's so many great yeah. bowlers coming out of college and that. And they have to make that career choice of going, do I get the nine to five or do I try to scramble for eight weeks a year on the on the women's poor tour? Or if you're lucky enough like a Liz Culkin to have a job that lets you work while you're on the road and, and competing at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Something needs to be done to where the PWBA isn't just out on TV three times a year. Yes. Or out on, you know, or you, or you just have to subscribe to Bowl TV to see the rest of the championships that they're going to have. I mean, they're only going to have 12 titles up for grabs this year. This is the thing, guys. I mean, I, I understand we want to, you know, push these guys out there, these women out there, and, and give them their just due. There's not eyeballs watching it. Nobody's going to broadcast it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's money just, too. That's just what it is, man. I mean, yeah. CBS Sports Network, mm, not impressive, but. They, they need eyeballs watching too, even though maybe nobody watches that network in general, but they also need eyeballs watching. They're not just going to put anything on TV. They'll put anything on TV to start. Oh, darts. Okay, let's see what happens. Right. Fine. Radius. We'll give it a shot. Right. Uh, water polo. Okay, let's see if it happens. Let's see what works. Fine. But in this scenario here, you've seen women's college bowling be on yes. TV all over the board. Right. I was just watching it the other night. You've seen men's college bowling be on TV. He was watching that too. And you've seen women's professional bowling be on TV. Now, what I don't know, because I'm not a TV executive, is I don't know what those ratings look like. So does the PWBA tour have less numbers than what a college bowling TV show does, women or men for that matter, doesn't matter. And if it has less numbers than even that, it's not going on TV. Secondly, 
How are you going to promote it? Yes. How do you promote that it's going to be a thing? I mean, there for a while it was, okay, women, you can come participate in the men tour. Right. And we saw a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Then it was, okay, we'll have a women's championship match with inside the actual PBA event. Yes. They tried that to try and cross promote it to get more eyeballs to it. To me, they've done everything they can to try and help that tour get up and go. And with little to no success, it's not because they haven't tried. They've tried as much as they can. Yeah. is that something that we have to talk to again to Tom Clark about? Is Tom he's done everything he can? I don't I know mean, what else you can ask him to do. I mean, under under the old regime, when Tom was with the with, with the Microsoft guys, that's when 07, 08, 09, That's when they had the PWBA Women's Series and they had those you know shows within the show, that type of thing. And then after the Bolero takeover a couple of years ago for PBA mm-hmm. League, you had the women's teams that were added during the pandemic, but also that was another year where there really wasn't anything that, for the for the women to bowl on the PWBA side because of logistics and, and the pandemic and such. And it was just kind of funny. I thought I was, you know, as a fan at that point in time, like hoping, okay, maybe this will lead to something. And then the 22 PBA League stuff came out and it's, it was just, you know, they had, the, they had the women's, uh, that same year, they had the uh, uh, women's uh, King of the Hill or whatever it was right. uh, as well. Yeah. All right, so I got an idea. Took me a couple seconds, but I figured something out. Okay. What if you said, Dwight, before the show started, that was it your daughter that was at state? Daughter Ashley just got, we just got back from state. Right. And where was it at? Uh, It was uh, Oshkosh and Fond du Lac. Okay. So that's all women bowling this weekend, right? Correct. So there's women everywhere up there. Correct. Okay. So what if you took PWBA events and attached them? Two weekends where there were women's state tournaments, put them in the same town and put them in the same area and then had the main event on a night of that weekend of where the state tournament was and see, because look, facts of the matter are, if that thing is going to grow, you're going to need eyeballs, right? Yeah. Yeah. You took the women's soccer league, NWSL, I think is what it is. Mm -hmm. You took them, you put them on the lifetime channel to start. To try and get eyeballs. And the Lifetime channel is what? Bunch of female viewers. That's where you put them to see if you could get it to go. And then from there, it transitioned over to ESPN or CBS somewhere. But they ended up getting a much bigger TV deal. But they started on Lifetime to get going. I I don't think they're going to start on Lifetime necessarily. But those eyeballs at least bring them in. Because if you're at a women's state tournament, there's women everywhere. You have a main event. And if nobody shows up, it's over. It's all done. Now, right. if you can fill that bad boy with all these women bowlers that bowl and want to see how much better the pros are than right. them, and you can fill the house up yeah. to come watch this, yeah. okay, maybe this can still work. Right. Well, they kind of had that. When I was talking to the director up there, he was saying, yeah, next weekend's Queens, which is the top scratch ladies tournament, which kind of is like the end of women's state tournament. Um, and, um, so I'm like, hmm, didn't even know. But you have a yeah. built-in Nothing audience promoted. is what you're right. trying to get. Right. Correct. Well, they kind because of they don't that. have the money to advertise on radio stations and market their arena promote their tour. I, I, I yeah. didn't. I'm, I might be wrong, but didn't the men do that during the, like the Masters? Didn't they like have a week for like the men's national tournament, which is going on right now in Reno, where they took a week and then just made it for the pros? And and that was the Masters. back in the day. But that's also when they ran the Masters in the same convention center that the right, same convention that center. The, yeah when the, that's when the masters really the didn't tournament. have and they really didn't have tv back in the 70s 80s and early 90s for the masters because it was so separate from the rest of the pba tour season 
because you know PBA tour was January to April, and once TOC was done, that right. was it on ABC, and all of a sudden you got the Masters in June or July. So that really didn't help the exposure until they started rolling that into the PBA contract, especially once you know, yeah, Tom Clark, Rick Steele's right, only title was uh, from the Masters. Was it a Masters? Parker Bones right. three hundred and TV during the Masters. But that's when they started rolling it into the PBA TV schedule, which was smart. Which was smart. Which yeah. is what it should have been right. the whole time. And, yeah. and that's where I think you're kind of going with. You just idea. have to put it in, in a in my mind. Yeah. You have to put them in a situation to where there's already eyeballs People guaranteed there. to be there. Yes. You come rolling in to Chicago and you have no no NBC's. TV coverage, you yeah. have no billboards, you have yeah. no print media. If you have no advertisement other than word of mouth yeah. and your small social media following that you may or may not have, do they even have a Twitter account? I don't even know. Yeah, PWB, they have a Twitter account. How, how many followers does it have? Uh, look, I can look. I mean, okay. Really so that's essentially that's what you have. You have Facebook, you have Twitter, Instagram. If they're on Instagram, but they don't have the money to spend to really right. blanket the market and promote it. Yeah, and it's always the money. So you have yeah. to go into a situation to where okay, we're rolling in, and we got a two, three cities full of filled with women that are there already. We can be the main event on a Saturday night when these women are looking to go out and have beverages and have look for a good time. We can be the main event in town that week. You know, you don't bowl qualifying where they bowl all week. You both qualifying yeah. in a different center, but then the main event is where they bowl. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to grasp at straws and try and figure out a way to get this thing to go. Well, yeah, PWBA's got fourteen thousand followers on Twitter. That's not horrible. PBA's got sixty five thousand. Yeah, to, it, it, for a comparison. But you look at some of the right. metropolitan areas that they're that they're starting the uh, the PWB off in this year with Stockton, California. And and Spokane, Washington. I, I mean, I understand you would get all around the country, and they've mixed up where tournaments have gone. Like this tournament in, in Minneapolis area, that's no longer an event uh, on the PWBA tour because they they keep moving them different sections. But th- does that really help them by moving to different areas every year or different bowling centers? Not going back to the same town two, three, four consecutive years. That's a good question. As far as do you yes. want to build that fan base in that town and grow it, or do you want more exposure around the country for yourself uh, and grow it around the country on hit and miss type perspectives? Like, how do you determine where you're going? Is it whoever is willing to pay the dollar? Yeah. So there's a bowling center in Spokane that's willing to pay the dollar, so that's where we're going. Right. There's a bowling center in Stockton, uh, so that's where we're going. Stockton needs to be a, a farm affiliate of the Brewers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's where we're going to go uh, at that point. I don't know how they determine it. I think that's an, an interesting point. I agree with you yeah. that if you at least have a handful of stops where your repeat business makes sense, like yeah. Tom Clark has brought Milwaukee onto the tour every year. Yeah. So yes. now people are into the habit of, oh, I want to go see it. Oh, I want to go see it. I'm going to go see it next year. I missed it this year. That looked like a lot of fun on TV when I got to see it. That's a lot easier. Then you don't have to spend as much money. But even when they were here, and I gave him credit last week when you have Belmonte doing all these different radio shows and TV hits and everything else that helps. That's huge. Now I also said, I'm amazed that some of these shows even were okay. Having Belmonte on because it's a bowler and you got all this other stuff going on with the bucks and the Packer draft coming up and all this other stuff. And they still took them. Now if the PWBA is in town and we go, Hey, uh, do you want, uh, uh, DeAndre Asbade yeah. or whoever, right? Yeah. Are they going to go, oh, sure, we'll take her? Or are they going to go, no, we're good, thanks. Yeah. Odds are they're going to go, no, we're good, thanks. Yeah. Odds are you're not going to get that same person. You may get them on some some morning show, TV morning show, yes. you know, that's fun and talking about adopt the pet and stuff like that on the local TV morning shows. Right. You may get her there, 
but you're probably not going to get her on, you know, a Bob and Brian in Milwaukee yeah. or some really big morning show necessarily at the end of the day. I, I would think you would want to go areas where it is highly populated with women bowlers or, or bowling like New population York population in general. I, I know Milwaukee is not that maybe like major cities that have big bowling communities. Like yeah. let's say Chicago, let's say Texas. I mean, highly populated areas to get people in the stands, but you have to be able to market. If you're not going somewhere where there's already a built-in fan base, that's right. my, I mean, you can go to Chicago. Arlington, that is Texas. not guarantee you're going to draw anybody if you can't promote it. Right. USBC down in Arlington. Don't they have a show every year for the ladies? Well, they're not there. They're not in Arlington this year. So that's they took themselves off the schedule. And now they, like, they're in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan for a week. And then they wrap up the season the last week. They're in the, the hotbed of Waterloo, Iowa to wrap up the week, or wrap mm -hmm. up the season in uh, August. So Okay, then you can make fun of Waterloo, Iowa. Yeah. yeah. But the counterpoint is, well, there's not a ton to do in Waterloo, Iowa. That gives you a better chance that's of true. drawing people. Draw people. If yeah. I go to Chicago, there's plenty to do. Ain't yes. no, you're, yeah. you're down at like 40th or 50th on my list of what I want to do this weekend. Yeah. Let's go to a PWBA event. In Waterloo, maybe you're fourth or fifth on what I want to do this weekend, maybe, possibly. And if they don't get a lot of events in Waterloo to begin with, they've got a baseball team there. But if yeah. they don't get a lot of events that come there professionally yeah. one way or the other, then that, it, it a becomes draw. a bigger deal for yeah. them. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, from that perspective, that makes sense. All right, last topic. And I'm going to let Dwight lead this one because <laughs> um, I, I strings attached to pins. My question is, is this real life? I don't even understand what the hell we're doing. So please explain to everybody listening to the Spare Time Bowling Podcast, which you can listen to on the Odyssey uh, uh, on the Odyssey app for free. You can download it wherever you have your download your favorite podcast or on the Odyssey Sports page on YouTube. You can also watch some of the videos that I put up there as well. Uh, so get tell your friends, tell your family, spare time bowling show. All right. So tell me, th th I thought it was an April Fool's joke. I literally mm -hmm. was reading going, where's the April Fool's joke? I looked to see the date on it. Like mm -hmm. Dwight got played. This isn't real, but it's real. A lot of people are talking about it, Sparky. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, there are a couple spins on it. And how Phil helped me with the logistics of everything. I'm sure he read the story too. Uh, what I do is I kind of, after the story breaks, I kind of go to social media and see what the comments are on it. But mm -hmm. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, and here comes the hate emails, but I think USBC got this one right. And, and I'm going to spin I'm done. On a, You're off the show. <laughs> on, a, on a couple different angles, I'll get to that uh, briefly. But the, the, the story is that they have certified these strain Boeing machines. Um, that doesn't make them mandatory. You know, I, I said to, I sent Phil a text message. This is a, a big story right away. And Phil goes, gives me the numbers about, at least in the state, um, who has it? How much percentage of league bowlers there are at these centers? Zero. Right. Yeah. But here's here's what I read, and I agree with the, the people that uh, chimed in on this story in social media, is we have a definite shortage of good mechanics. I was a former mechanic. My brother still wrenches part-time at Blue Mound. We probably have the best mechanic in the city over at New Berlin with Mark. Um, there is a tremendous shortage. We were all former red carpet guys. And at red carpet, I was a crew of 10 pin chasers. That was one of my first jobs, uh, wrenching on the machines, making sure the lanes were going. No one wants to do it anymore. Um, good luck trying to find a mechanic. And it's not well, just a mechanic. Car mechanics days. are having the same exact problems. Yeah. 
the, the exact same problem is happening with all these car shops. You go talk to any of these car dealerships or whatever else, yeah, but they have the exact same issue. They can't find mechanics. None of these kids are going to school to be a mechanic. It's the exact same thing. None of these guys want to turn wrenches. And if they do want to turn wrenches one way or the other, my 18-year-old, he's he's going to be a part of Steam Fitters when he graduates yeah, here. He right. graduates uh, this year. He's going to go be part of Steam Fitters. His dad, yep. okay, owns a car shop, fix it up shop. Yeah. And I think the hope was that he would go and take it over. No interest. You go be part of Steam Fitters. Yeah. I'm just telling you, like, yeah. yes, you could say, okay, we got a shortage of mechanics to work on these machines. Fine. But that's a problem across a lot of different industries yeah. right now. But don't they have like CTC that is training young people to become car mechanics that would want to take that as a, a living? I mean, that's telling not you, a bad pay. Yeah. You go talk to any of these dealerships, or better yet, go talk to some of these car shops all yeah. over the place that are independently owned. They're all guys like your age, try find, yeah, all try. trying to turn a wrench so because again, they can't find anybody to come in and help them. Do it. So they're yeah. doing it by themselves. Yeah. And eventually all these little corner car shops are going to be shut down because these people are going to die off. And then yeah. there's going to be nobody. Yeah. That's going to be the end of it. Right. Yeah. I well, go ahead. Right. Yeah. Again, it's just a situation where one lady was right uh, on social media and she wrote a real long uh, story about it is uh, must have been a very rural town. And the proprietor of the bowling alley had to shut the lanes down and just keep the bar and restaurant open because he couldn't find a mechanic to work on the machines. If we had her words, if we had stream machines, we would still have leagues going. Question. Mm -hmm. That was her saying it, not me. I I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> I'm now. just paraphrasing. I'll tell you what I think now. If you own a center, you better be able to fix your own damn machines. Right. If you don't know how to fix your own machines, right. you can't come cry to me telling me I can't find a mechanic. If you want to own it, then you better know how to do everything. It's Absolutely. like watching yeah. Bar Rescue or yeah. Restaurant Impossible. These right. idiots that go and buy a bar that have no, no restaurant knowledge. experience, right. no idea. They yep. sit in the corner. They drink their beer. They yep. have no idea. These bartenders are robbing them blind. The food is crap. There's grease all over the place. And they go, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it would be fun. Right. Yeah. No, no fooling, no. you idiot. Now you know why you're dead. You, yeah. you have yeah. no money. Oh, no, you're right. So I mean, a yeah. lot of these guys that come in here. That, oh, not all of them, but a lot of them come in and they don't know the first thing about how to fix these machines. Correct. Or if they do, they're too lazy to go back there and do it. Yeah. And they have schools to, where you can go and, and learn how to do it, but they don't want to do it. You okay. So it. here's yeah. another thing. Fine. Right. I didn't even know that. So let's take that to the next step. Here you go. I'm an owner of a bowling center. Tell you what, dude, I'll pay. You want to come work here, right? And bowl. You can bowl for free, eat for free, drink for free, whatever. You, not all your friends, yeah. you. Right. And I'll pay for you to go through school to be an, uh, a mechanic for me. And this is what your pay is going to be. Now, if you're willing to do that, you might be able to intrigue a couple of yeah. people. But well, that's not happening. Here's where I'm going with all this is that your majority of people don't even know that school even exists. Yeah. What's going to happen with the guys that are currently fixing the machines retire or die off? The same thing that's going to happen to the car mechanics. The same thing. That's going to be it. Yeah. Are we going to even have centers, though? That's oh, yeah. That, yeah. They're going to switch the strings because. Well, that's my that's point. what the manufacturer you look you look if you would have been at bowl expo last year there were five different manufacturers pushing their string pin pin setters there was nothing there there's i think cubic amf still had something with free fall pin setters everybody else was here's strings here's the future here's what's going to happen here's why it's easier on your pocketbook you don't need you don't need especially mechanic it uses a lot less energy has a lot fewer moving parts so you're not having these big supply so of these parts strings are going to get all tangled up huh no, they, they don't. Ninety-eight percent, it won't. I've I've seen them work. I actually at, at when I was out at Parker Bone Scholarship Tournament in New Jersey last year, he actually has one lane of string pins inside his Rev Rates Training Center. 
And he put it in because he goes, that I know is going to be the future. So I got, I want to see what they do. And he put one set of string pins in and I, that, that was the first time I touched the ball in three years. I'm using a, you know, test bowling ball from Brunswick that barely fit me. They fall different. Sure. They, do. they definitely do. And they, they take a little longer to reset the pins when they get a little tangled because they go up and down a they couple times. They get tangled then. That's what a I little just bit, said. but they but they didn't have to call somebody back to fix it. Where if a pin gets lodged in the wrong part of a bowling machine, you got to get somebody in the back yeah, to fix or it. Or a ball gets out. stuck. Where they didn't have to do that. It just pull the pins, put them back down. Pull the pins, put them back on. And after two or three times, up oh, there you go. Here's your full rack of pins again. So it, it's definitely the future, and I see more, especially smaller centers that can't afford to keep somebody full-time or even part-time on to fix things going to the string pin centers. There's only two locations in around Southeastern Wisconsin that I know of. One's outside of Green Lake. It's called 12 frame. And there's another uh, in Brookfield, Whirly Ball, yeah. where it's a multi-recreational. Oh, my kid was just there for a birthday party. Yeah, I have, never went in, but he was they there. They got 12 lanes of bowling there. They got eight lanes downstairs, four upstairs. And they don't have to worry about it. I don't even know if they, when I bowled over my wife at a Christmas party before the pandemic, we just grabbed house balls and shoes. And I watched a guy that never bowled before make a 710. Right. Because exactly. the pin kind of, the, the pits weren't as deep as they had as they are for the. That's what I mean by the different USBC pin stuff. So the scoring's going to go way up? No, it no. actually it actually goes, it actually, it's harder to strike, but it was easier to spare. And now they've changed the string lengths and yeah, all they, this stuff. To in the story, they said even it, it out. the carry went down 7%. Yeah. Here's my other spin on it, uh, what the whole thing is. Again, variables. Prime example was my daughter's weekend up at state tournament. One house uh, at um, in Oshkosh, uh, the first 10 feet, we call it the heads, the ball double bounced. We heard a lot of ladies tell us that for the last few months. Well, they had that problem for men's state four, three, four years ago up there. So now that proprietors had three, four years to fix the foundation, wasn't done. Fortunately, it only got my daughter on one shot where the ball double bounced so hard that it actually jumped about three, four boards to the right. But but And she bowled good at that house. But then she goes to the next house that hosted Men's State in 2013. And there's a funny story about that is um, I didn't bowl very good there and Phil didn't uh, bowl very well there that year and took a picture of the bar with no one in it and then sent it to me in a text message that no one stayed around afterwards because the lanes were so hard. My daughter actually threw the ball better yesterday but scored 90 pins less because you just couldn't carry a darn thing. We always yeah, keep talking about those AMF, old AMF pin setters. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was nine-count city, but she actually threw the yeah. ball better. Variables. I'm hoping with these strain machines that the variables in our sport are eliminated, that it's a more even playing field from one house to the other. Otherwise, I don't think until we get rid of the variables, you can eliminate bowling being in the Olympics for talk. It, it's going to be made fun of forever and a day well, just because of by the people that don't no just by the people on sports center whatever else when they see strings attached to bowling well pins, it's going to be an arcade it, it's going yes it is they are going to be made fun of and not taken seriously ever again if this happens and listen i don't disagree with what you're saying the logic behind it of well it costs less money and i don't have to have a mechanic and all of this stuff that may be fine but i'm talking from the actual the 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 sport being taken seriously yep. with pins I get it. being controlled by strings, folks. I mean, it's going to be tough to convince anybody that this is a legit sport once you start attaching strings to pins. How how soon do you think the PBA Tour has an event where it's all string pins? I have no idea. 
first thing I first time I heard of this was when he sent me the yeah. article. So I don't know. Because Boleros, especially with their new bowling centers, are big into putting in these string pin setters. In the yes, but Bolero doesn't care about leagues. Bolero cares yeah. about people coming out and having fun. Those they've people got, that are getting hammered bowling at Bolero could care less if their strings on pins or they've not. They've gone from two people working in their league department to 17 in the last six months. In their league department? To get leagues back into bowling centers. They've what changed their mind? Marketing. You'd have to ask Tom Shannon. Because when Bolero got, right. when we were yeah. on the radio, yeah. when yeah. Bolero came in, they were all about open bowling. It's not about yes. leagues anymore. Right. It's about open bowling. Right. Now he's done an about face. Well, now he wants uh, leagues. How, easy is, it get, how easy is it to get a, a corporate party in your building Monday through Thursday? Or a or birthday party yeah, you still have Monday to rely through Thursday? On, uh, that steady income. Yeah. Even I'll, though it's not sure, as much of a right. fast buck as yeah. well. All of a sudden they realize Monday through Thursday, you need to fill it with somebody who's your most reliable people to fill it with on a Monday through Thursday. Lee bowlers. The other thing too you got to remember is these machines that were out there, A ones, A twos, were nineteen thirties to nineteen fifties, and and again the whole technology back then with those machines. There's thousands of parts. I worked on A twos. There's thousands there's parts of parts that can kill you, right? On those machines. Sure, exactly. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, we had to be careful, and there were a right. lot of guards. Thank God. For you don't got to listen. You yeah. don't got to sell me on this being more economical, and we don't have mechanics and all that. I'm just telling you. From an outside looking in perspective, from people yeah. that aren't a fan of this sport, mm -hmm. the amount of being made fun of and not taken seriously that's going to occur as yeah. soon as one of these damn things show up on a TV screen yeah. or one of these sports talk show hosts nationally go to a bowling center to bowl with their kids and mm -hmm. they see strings attached to pins, mm -hmm. it's going to be a talking point going forward. There'll be videos everywhere. And oh my God. What I'm, waiting to, what I'm waiting to see is if Japan, which is a hotbed for bowling, if they convert yeah. over before us, doubt it. Too. Yeah, they're not much. The hotbed days of bowling in Japan are over. Really? I mean, when we were there, yeah, when we were there with THC Japan Cup, watching when we were doing an extra frame with the pros. I mean, they had crowds there, but there's no different than a crowd in Milwaukee. Hmm. It's not right. like they were, you know, fighting again in the door and buying tickets in advance or anything like that. Right. And do they have mechanic issues like we do here? No. That's yeah, the other no, we thing. don't know. Right. Don't yeah. know. Right. Yeah. Here's Dwight Albrecht to Phil Brylo. Follow those guys on Twitter. Follow Dwight at Dewey 300. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling. Me at Sparky Radio. And again, don't forget, download it on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Have a good one. Two.